Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello everybody, welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. This is a little sneak behind the Patreon curtain as I welcome back Mr. Jack Gallagher for our for our usual, I, I mean I say the usual, Robbie Keane Ultras pod. We haven't recorded it for a while. Both both very busy and very important people, aren't, aren't we Jack? So uh, it does make trivial matters such as podcasting quite, quite difficult, especially for you. I mean I podcast regularly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually doing stuff like, you know, writing about football for a living, writing plays, all that type of thing. Hey, we have to keep busy. We have to keep busy. But yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I like, uh, so this isn't behind the paywall this time. It's just the, like, it's just like a wee advertisement for the Robbie Keane podcast, because I think if it is, then we should probably just pretend that we do it like fucking every week. And hopefully people will jump on there that way. We can do. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're up for doing one every week, mate, basically, coming on a pod and saying Spurs are shite, then, you know, we'll see, we'll see how many people vibe with that. You know what I mean? It's not a hard thing to do, to be fair. It's not a hard thing to do, especially after the weekend's result, which I'm sure we'll go on to. I was, I was, so for anyone that doesn't know, if anyone's new to Jack, Jack, Jack isn't a Spurs fan. He's a, he's a Derry City fan and a Juventus fan. He's one of those lardy dardy football Easter types. <laughs> oh, I, I like a foreign team, me. Um, but what, what, what did remind me of you the other day, Jack is like <clears throat> my, I've got a Google pixel, right? That's my phone. I'm, I'm not in the cult of iPhone. I've got Google pixel. And when, when, when you're, uh, when you're on sort of Android and all that, when you take photos and things, it'll automatically get uploaded to your, to your Google cloud. So they've always got this you know archive of everything you've taken pictures of, which, you know, can prove uh, problematic sometimes. Um, but it also, you know, it takes all the things you've, you've stores, all the things you've taken videos of, and it will do the thing that Facebook and various other social media platforms do where they'll say, you're on this day thing here. This is your moment. And I got served to me about a week or so ago, I think. Um, the video I was taking to mock you with as a Juventus fan of Spurs, going ahead at Wembley, the whole stadium erupting into a nice big chorus of, oh, when the Spurs, it was just like, it was banging. Like Wembley, the atmosphere seldom ever got good. But when it was good, it, it was decent. And those sort of big nights, Champions League nights were perfect. And it's ringing around the ground. And then you just see kind of, you start to hear people drop as you see Juventus break. And then just, I think it was, Dybala, wasn't it, whipped it into Higuain? I think it was, wasn't it? Dybala to Higuain? To, yeah, Higuain scored the winner, yeah. Yeah, to to win it. And then the whole stadium just goes quiet and you're all like, oh, fuck's sake, all around it. And yeah, so I've still got, I've still got that video. Um, it reminded me of your smug face. 
I think yeah. what made it a wee bit sweeter as well was Higuain, because we used to always chat in the office about, I have such a big fucking lover of Higuain, you fucking hated him because of that World Cup. And I was like, no, he's actually good. No, he's actually like, he's a big game player and all, despite fucking it in the World Cup final, I'd always say that. And then he did it against Hughes. Oh, I fucking loved it. I actually went, I went way back to our, uh, our media and WhatsApp, <laughs> right, right to the very start. Um, and I found that video. And the message before this, <laughs> this is 2019. The message before that is a, a Facebook post from someone called Jago Melly. And it's called, my nephew wrote this following poem in school today. And I have to say, it made me tear up a bit. And it's one of those like D is four. <laughs> he is four and it's uh, Princess Diana. So, it is. <laughs> so uh, D is for dead. I is for I still love her. A is for always in our hearts. N is for not dead. Unfortunately, she still is. And A is for always in our hearts. <laughs> so there you go. There's a peek on the, me and Jack Hussey's WhatsApp. It's, it's a real meeting of minds, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. It really is. It's a real meeting of minds. Um, now, if you, if you haven't switched off, if you are if you are a royalist, thanks for. Uh, if you're not a royalist, even thanks for, thanks for staying with us. Um, Spurs, right? I think last time we spoke, mate, I was on cloud nine. I was all big. Angie's going to lead us to the title. This is great. We're playing the best football I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, I know we've navigated patches of injury. We've navigated international, like you know, players going off for international duty and everything. But I think it's safe to say at the moment, Spurs are quite shite. Um, what what do you make of it, mate? Like we, you know, we scraped through against Brighton. Easily couldn't have done on another day. Um, Wolves came back to bite us. Wait. What what's your sort of take on sort of top line on things at the moment? It kind of. I think the main thing is it seems like a few teams have kind of worked out how to play against you. Like Wolves are one of those teams. Um, just like exploiting you on the break has been the main thing, really. Um, he's have relied a lot on Van de Ven pulling you out a lot and Vicario pulling you out. And you just can't expect those players to do it every single game and every single week and consistently pull you out. So anytime them two slightly underperform, you are going to lose games, I feel like. Um, and that's what he's kind of seen recently. Van de Ven's come back from injury and played well, but there's some deficiencies in that back four that kind of need addressed. Like, I think, like, when you look at the team he's played at the weekend, Emerson right back, Ben Davis left back for the amount of importance that Ange's state of play puts on the fullbacks, getting on the ball and getting on the middle apart and creating. If you're missing players like that, you're going to struggle, both, like, an attacking sense and a defensive sense. And... I think that's kind of what's been happening. Those injuries have kind of come back to bite you and stuff. Do you, I mean, because I mean, people have sort of flirted with this idea that Spurs have been found out. Do you think it's as, as sort of, because you're not saying that, but I'm saying like, do you think it's as simplistic as that? Or do you think that, you know, when I when I look at somebody like Madison, right? You can't really find out James Madison. And he was so important to what we were doing at the start of the season. He's clearly not fit at the moment. Um, and with him 
being in the sort of state he's in right now, which I don't think is very good uh, by his own standards, but he is getting back up to speed. He's had a lengthy lay like layoff. Are we? Do we just need to rely on players like him to provide us that bit of spark, that bit of magic? Because I think that's one of the things that's been really sorely missing from us. Because I agree with you, we do we do rely on like Vicario van der Ven, even Romero quite a lot. Phil was saying to me the other day that the problem with this system, in some ways, is that we rely on the opposition not taking their chances, um, and we provide them with plenty of those, and it also relies on us taking all of our chances and for as well as he's doing right now Richarlison isn't he's you know he's anything but a clinical striker really um so it, it kind of seems to be our undoing at the moment but in the mix on this as well we do seem to be sort of lacking that creative fluidity in the final third that we saw at the very start of the season when James Madison was absolutely flying so as much as this system may in some ways have been a bit found out if you like it is going to be hard, isn't it? When when he is back up and firing again to to stop Spurs in, in some ways, isn't it? Yeah, I think as well with Madison. Madison's really, really good. He's a really good player. But I think everyone knew when he was going to Spurs that he can be quite streaky at times and can be quite mm. inconsistent. Like It's not to say that throughout his whole career at Leicester, he was as good as he was at the start of his Spurs career, for example. So you're going to have those like kind of tail-offs and things at times. And I think there has to be um, an acceptance as well from Spurs fans that that's the sort of player that Spurs are kind of in the market and going to sign. It's going to be these players who can, you might get 15, 20 games, really, really, really top-level performances every season, but you're not going to get a player that's going to play every single game to the top level. Like you're not going to go out and sign when he's fit, for example, a De Bruyne or someone like that there that's going to be consistently 8, 9 out of 10 every single week. So you just kind of have to write those peaks and troughs with people like Madison. Um, I've heard some complaints about Basuma's recent performances as well. He's another one that's going to have peaks and troughs too. The same thing with Kulosevsky. You've seen those kind of peaks and troughs with him over his Spurs career even, well, to a lesser extent this season, Son, but Son's had ups and downs throughout his Spurs career as well. Like he wasn't incredible last year, Mm. but he's had incredible seasons before that and stuff. So I think just like acceptance that you're not going to be always able to ride the James Madison bandwagon. And it's, it's going to be something where over time you need to develop a wee bit more depth so that when Madison's not playing particularly well, you have someone they come off the bench in the 60th, 70th minute, they replace him that can maybe be a bit of a spark plug and provide that creativity that he's not really doing. And I don't really see who that player is for Spurs at the minute. Like Closest thing's Kulisevsky, really. Yeah, yeah. And ideally, you want them to start in the Geller as well. So, like, off the bench, you're probably looking at what Lacelso probably has been coming off the bench for you. And replace Madison yeah, when, he's, when he's fit, mate, and that's that's part of the problem with him always has been, you know. Yeah, yeah, and just there's been like the odd instance where he's looked good enough to play for Spurs, but they are kind of they have been odd instances too, and he's never really been that creative spark for Spurs in the way you perhaps would have wanted him to be when they spent all that money for him. So it's kind of players like that are players that you're kind of, you have on the books at the minute, but ideally you shift on in the summer and bring in 
someone else that can provide a wee bit of a bit more of a spark than a Lo can off the bench. Well, one of the big things that we saw this week <clears throat> is, you know, Poro and a doggy missing, and they seem to be so important to this system, like that width that they provide there, like on an individual basis, but but for the for the formation, I know you're talking about sort of us having to fall back onto Ben Davis. Um I mean, what do Spurs do about that? Because it's taken it's taken us this long to find Poro and a doggy, two players. It's arguably, well, not arguably at all. It's since Rose and Walker, they're the they're the most sort of fit for purpose players we've ever had in those positions. <clears throat> and you see, really, the the lack of thrust, like how 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 much less this system works without those two players. Do you think it is simply a case that Spurs need to sign more players, make the squads more fit for purpose, know that we have two backup options for Poro and a doggy? I mean, it's a, it's a lot to ask of any players, like I say. Or do you think Postacoglu needs to maybe come around to the idea that he needs to try and devise another way of playing sometimes when you know the conditions are less than perfect, shall we say? I think it's it's a bit of both, really. I think ideally, um, for every club, what you want to do is have a set way of playing, and then build a squad out from that, and have backups that can come in and fill the needs. So, like, in a doggy can get up and down and can pull into midfield and stuff. Um, it's gonna it's something that even teams like Liverpool struggled with a few years ago. If you remember when Van Dijk uh, done his knee. And they were a shell of the team they were before, yeah. just because like who could replace a player like him? He fit such a essential need for the team, and with without him, they had no one to play that role. Whereas like a team like Man City, or someone who could, you know, Ruben Diaz can go out injured and they can replace him quite easily. Like like Nathan Ake can go out injured and they can replace him. Stones have been out injured all season; they haven't really missed a trick without him either. So it's a very it's a difficult thing to do. It's a really hard level of depth to get to, but it's something that should be aspired to. Like you don't want, for example, like a big one this season for you has been when one of your midfield players has been injured, Hoiberg's come in and the team's been completely different because he's just a completely different type of player mm. than the ones you have. They put he's a bluntly, like, is what Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they put a bluntly, like the <laughs> other players are good and he's fucking useless. Um, so you want you want players who are also like at a certain level and can perform a certain type of task, and it's one of those ones where for fullbacks and stuff like that, there like maybe someone comes through the academy or someone that could do the role. You've seen with Liverpool, for example, like Trent being injured. Uh, that wee boy Connor Bradley's come in and done a really good job in his stead and stuff. So you might get lucky with someone like that, or you can go out and sign someone. It doesn't have to be an R. 50 million pound fullback it can be someone for 10 mil that just like fits the need of someone getting up and down whereas the minute when you look at the backup fullbacks they're probably better suited to be backup center halves like ben davis is probably more suited to be in a center half at this point in his career emerson is more suited to probably not being a footballer at all but if you're going to play him anywhere probably center half as well so you just you need players that can fill those needs um, off the bench effectively, and not it not get to the point where when you have one injury, you have to completely change your tactics every single time. Um, and saying that though, as well, um, your second point about 
finding different ways to play and stuff. I think they're also, with the current situation with the squad, I think Ange just kind of has to acknowledge the fact that he can't play the same way when he doesn't have a doggy and when he doesn't have Saar and when he doesn't have Madison and stuff. And he has to kind of work out a tactical way to play that can fit the needs of the team, the fit players in that current state and can fit um, how the team can actually perform. Like you've seen when everything was going well at the start of the season, going back to that last Wolves game, and there was a few injuries and suspensions, and Dyer and Hoiberg came in, and he's played the same way, and he's lost the game because of it. And there just has to be, there's a bit of to and fro there. Obviously, you want to get to the point where your squad's deep enough so that you don't really ever have to change and just be Tottenham and be just Tottenham. But at the moment, when the squad's not deep enough, Ange could probably make a few wee changes, maybe drop a bit deeper at times when it's needed, uh, work out a way to fit a wee bit more creativity in the midfield when the fullbacks aren't able to provide it and stuff like that. See, this this is an interesting thing, mate, because I'm <clears throat> I'm here right now with with Postacoglu in the I'm enjoying the football, right? I I'm enjoying what Spurs are doing, and I'm kind of all right with that right now. And I know a lot of people will say tin pot mentality. That's shy. You want to be winning stuff. But I've just seen us for the past few years trying to win stuff, bringing in these winning managers and all that type of thing. And it just, me actively hating Spurs, you know, like not wanting to watch us, not being excited by it, not having that kind of prickle of excitement when it's come up to a match day, more like dreading it. Whereas now with Postacoglu, I'm sort of, I'm a bit warts and all with him. You know, I'm kind of like, look, he does seem like, stubborn to to a fault that's how it appears right now anyway um but are we playing some like lovely football or have we at least shown that we can under him yet so I'm willing to kind of go with this a bit more however like I I do realize that it's sort of need to strike that balance between being like well I just kind of enjoy this and you know this is all good fun which is what football's supposed to be at the end of the day really um, but also kind of see, because the thing is, is like, we, we know this with Postacoglu. We've been told this from the very start. He's very, he has a very clear idea of how he wants to play football, what he's going to do and how he's going to achieve that. We saw that when we were down to nine men against Chelsea and he was still having, you know, players camped up on the halfway line and everything like that. And we, we saw how that went, but there's examples of him doing that type of thing throughout his career. And it's, it's almost like a test, a baptism of fire to make sure that, you know, his, his players are falling in line and everything like that. But I guess my question to you is like, because yeah, this is kind of like me having thoughts about this, but to, to turn this into some sort of a question, can you from the, like from the outside of this, do you think there is something admirable about this? Like, can you see this, there being some method to this as in like getting players drilled in this way, getting them playing a certain way will bear fruit eventually? Or does it seem like something that is counterintuitive in a way that we're just kind of maybe giving him more of a pass? And I, you know, what's the alternative right now? What we we get rid of Andrew Postacoglu and bring in another manager. That's not at all what I'm suggesting, but just saying in terms of like from the perspective of Spurs fans who are just like, fine, let's just go with it. Let's let him do what he's doing. Um, 
is that like an emotional thing? That's because, like I've said, there we're just enjoying the football. You having the sort of perspective of somebody being like not a Spurs fan, can you look at that and just say this does seem a bit silly and needs to not even come up with a plan B because that's the kind of that's the sort of buzz phrase that's been thrown about about it. But he needs to realise that this is the Premier League. It's a tough league. He's not, as I've seen people say on Twitter. You're not playing against Partick Thistle and and Cowdenbeath anymore, mate. You know it, it, it's the Premier League. It's it's difficult. You can't be as open as you are. You can't have as little control over football matches as Spurs continuously seem to to display. Um, there's something of a question in there, mate. I'll let you unpick that. <laughs> I think the 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 whole aspect of it, you saying like just enjoying football for being fun like that is essentially like that's what you want you want to enjoy it like we we talked at the start of the season about like how like the pressure of trying to win everything all the time uh ended up making Tottenham fans just not fucking enjoy football for a few years whereas um under Ange it's been a wee bit more like the kind of early Poch era like the uh, like 2005 to 2007 Martin Yule era where like it's just kind of fun like there's not as much pressure to win games it's more of just like you want to see the right processes and see the club going in the right direction in a lot of ways and I think um with that mentality as well I think that's a mentality that um stepping back from a full season stepping back from a full few months of football and stuff like that it's a it's an easier mentality to have but once you're like in your situation of watching the game and being in Tottenham day to day and seeing all the news and seeing all the chat and th- uh, dealing with all the injuries and reading about everything, it's very hard to like always have that kind of take a step back and have this perspective of the games. Um, so I think ultimately, like it's I think what you were saying about uh, it's just like backing himself and backing his um, state of play and trying to like make sure the players know what they're doing and know that this is the way they're going to play regardless. That is admirable for sure. Um, I think it is fundamentally uh, the right thing to do in a lot of ways. But I also think the flip side of that is that, and I can sense that you're about frustrated about it as well. And I'm sure a lot of Spurs fans are frustrated about it. Like seeing a guy like, and I'm really like, really slagging off Heuberg in this for, for <laughs> a lot of reasons he has shite. But um, like when you see a guy like Heuberg come on the team, uh, starting lineup on a Saturday at what, two o'clock, when you look at that team, you immediately think, oh fuck, we're going to play this way and we're going to get shafted for it because he can't play this way. I think there does need to be an acknowledgement from Ange about the capacity of some of the players to play that way. And if there isn't that acknowledgement there at least needs to be not playing those players that definitely can't play that style of football because at that point you're not teaching a player you're not teaching a player that this is the way we have to play because ultimately the player's never going to be play that way anyways so you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot with players like that it's a wee bit different with say like a sar and a van de van and like those kind of younger players that are developing Mm. you can like teach them on how to play this style of football and, and really give them this basis to play off of. Players like Hoiberg, who've been around for a long time, don't have the physical capacity to play that style of football. 
there probably isn't any point. But um, yeah, main point all in is I think the idea, the concept of trying to enjoy football all the time and enjoy the process of what Angie's Tottenham is, is the right way to go about it. But I do understand as well that it's hard to do that week in, week out. But saying that, like when you look back on the season, uh, say it keeps going the way it's going, you win a couple of games, you lose a couple of games here and there, you finish like fifth in the league or whatever. And when you look back on the season, you'll probably be like, yeah, that was a fucking fun season. But those weeks when you lose those games are never going to be fun. Do you rate him? Like overall, do you do you rate Ange? Do you, do you like him? Do you think... Do you think Spurs are still on the right track? Can you see us achieving something with him? Yeah, well, it depends what he's achieving as well. Like, I think, like... Can you see Spurs winning the Premier League? No, but I, I couldn't see Spurs winning the Premier League with any manager at the moment. Like, I just don't think the the league's set up for a team like Spurs to win the league. It just... There's so many variables, and there's so many variables that would have to go in Spurs' favour um through a season for them to win the league it's different from like a man city or a liverpool or even like the way united might go in the next couple of years oh, and stuff like say a very horrible name then mate I'm glad <laughs> i couldn't do it i couldn't do it <laughs> i wouldn't do it to you. not on not not uh when we're not behind a paywall i'll do it behind a paywall um but give me that yeah, grim reality yeah <laughs> but it's it's one of those ones where i think those teams can go out and sign the big names and not really worry too much about it and like a team like Liverpool seem to be churning out like really really high level youth academy players fucking every week out of nowhere and City just have all the money in the world they spend and spend it however they want to um whereas like with the Spurs trying to win the league it's very much like the amount of different things that Spurs have to get right and the amount of things that all our clubs have to get wrong for Spurs to win the league it's just not a realistic thing like even when you see Arsenal sorry I finally said their name when you see Arsenal last season like like look how much went right for Arsenal last season made the right moves made the right signings and then one injury and City kind of working out their tactics um from like February onwards and starting to play a slightly different way then they lost the league despite being like what 10 points clear and I think like the amount of variables that went right for them and up until February last season, and then it fell apart. Like to keep that going up until May, it's just really difficult. So I wouldn't look at Ange and I wouldn't look at Tottenham and judge them for not winning the league together over the next few years. I would more judge it on like, like for example, like say he's run the Europa League next season, like he should probably be getting to the semi final final and potentially winning a competition like that. The same thing with like the FA Cup or the Carabao Cup or something like that. I know. Cities and Liverpool's and all are in those, but you get the right side of the draw. Like this season, he's got City. Like that was really unfortunate that he's got City. And our big club could have got City and it might have went differently. You just could have avoided them for a while. Um, I would be more looking towards the Cups than the league. And if you can say Ange is there for three, four years and you come away with it with an FA Cup, like that's a massive success. And I think mm. Ange and this Spurs team with the trajectory that they're on, I think that is a feasible thing that could happen. Do you, like, it's just so, it's, I don't know, there's that, part of me just finds it really hard to reconcile that because 
you want to think that you can you can go and win like the very top things. I know, I know some people would say you know have a bit of a reality check. You are a Spurs fan and all that type of thing. But when you look at kind of the way at least we're operating off the pitch now, surely, surely the what is it the the situation should be set. That's that's not the term I was. I can't really think of the word I was looking for, but the. There should be there should be enough of a foundation there for Spurs to be able to build on and challenge for. I know Manchester City are Manchester City, right? They are, but when I look at the you know when I look at the kind of the expenditure of anybody outside of them, barring maybe Manchester United, who yeah they've been terrible for a decade now, but are still let's be honest, one of the if not the biggest football team in the world. Um, <sighs> we should be able to keep up with spending with the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool. Um, and so I, I, and I know we probably, we don't have the same sort of, we definitely don't have the same heritage and the same allure maybe of, of Liverpool, but I don't, I don't think it's just a Spurs fan of me saying that I think Tottenham and Arsenal are not miles apart as a proposition as, as things go now. And we've seen kind of a few sort of transfers go our way in the past few years. Um, I mean, they're definitely enjoying the limelight right now. Um, you know, I, I very much hope they don't, but there's every chance they could go on to win something very big this season, Premier League or a Champions League. Um, and that would that would be disgusting. And I'm sure that would put them firmly further ahead of Spurs. So I'm, you know, I'm not naive to that. But I do think right now when you look at it... I th- I know it's all this kind of bait sort of lame stuff that people don't like about modern football, but just, you know, being in London, the lure of having this sort of big stadium of having Nike kits of having somebody like Hun, you know, Hun Min Son playing for us. I do think there isn't, there should be enough of a draw there for Spurs to be able to sign within reason, unless it's like Mbappe's and stuff like that. sign pretty much whoever they want. And, I think there is enough of an indication from the, you know, from Daniel Levy and the people in charge of the footballing operation now that there is money there to spend and they are willing to spend it if we've identified the right type of players. So I don't know, Jack. I don't know if I don't know if I can take your your <laughs> cap on on our ambition here, like because I, I I think I need to believe that Spurs can. But the, you know, <laughs> the funny thing is, I. Because you say like so, for, I'll give you I'll give you a good example of like what's what, you know how it is with Spurs, right? Because when when West Ham won the Conference League last year, right, yeah. Twitter was full of Spurs fans being like, "Ah, look at them celebrating this tin pot like they've won anything." And in my head, I'm like, "Well, yeah, but lads, like we were in this last year and <laughs> we got knocked out by a team whose like president was in prison," you know. <laughs> And and it sort of leads up to these discussions of like Spurs don't want to be like we you know whenever we kind of if we don't make Champions League, the conversation will be like, I don't want Spurs to lose any games ever, but I don't want us to finish in the Europa League places or in the Europa Conference League places. And I I can kind of look my personal perspective is I always want to see Spurs in Europe. I don't care about the competition. I want us to be in Europe. I can kind of see the other side of the mentality when it comes to the Conference League. But the, with the Europa League, you can't be thinking Spurs are above a Europa League. If if we 
you, you could put it this way, right? Chelsea, even when they've been shit, when they've been dumped out into the Europa League, have gone on to win it, what, two, three times in the past few years? Manchester United, when they've been shit and they've been dumped into the Europa League, have gone on to win it. They made a final as well the other year too, right? So they've gotten close. Liverpool have won it several times when they've been dumped into it out of the Champions League. Spurs haven't won it since the 80s. You, you, I don't think as a Spurs fan you can be sat there saying we're above the Europa League. Um, I don't even think you can say that we're above the Europa Conference League. If we can show up and confidently say we can piss it, we can actually win it, I don't think you can say that we're above it. But I don't, yeah. I don't also think that means that we are like, that's the kind of the scope of our ambition is to win a, a Europa Conference League, if that makes sense. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. That's right. Yeah, I think that um, that idea that Spurs fans might have sometimes, and I, I'm projecting all these Spurs fans here, and I'm sorry if anyone's fucked off, but but um, it seems like sometimes that that is that it is that thing of like if it's not the Champions League, it's not good enough, and I, I, I think that comes from the club itself and how it was under Poch, and he came out and said something recently about it about the FA Cup and stuff, and I know that that has comments annoyed Spurs fans a lot because. No matter what he says about that, playing Son at like left wing back in an FA Cup final was fucking daft. But that aside, um, that idea that it had to be top four, it had to be doing that, and it had to be the Champions League, the FA Cup wasn't important, the League Cup wasn't important and stuff like that. I think that's maybe uh, something that Spurs fans think, but it's kind of not their fault because it's been ingrained on them by the Pochettino era and how the club operated at that time. Um, I think it's it, it's one of those things that maybe take a while to get out of and get out of that headspace. But like you said, like teams like Liverpool and all, if it's good enough for teams like Liverpool and United and those sorts of teams, like why should Spurs think that it's not good enough for them? Why should they not prioritise going on one Europa League while you're in it? Whereas when you see Liverpool this season, like see from like the next round of the competition onwards like undoubtedly like players like Salah and all will be playing all those games Trent will be playing all those games it's going to be those they're going to be playing full squads in those games trying to win every single competition they're in whereas I feel like in a lot of instances when you went further in the FA Cup and all it's still like oh regardless we're playing Michel Vorm in goal we're not playing our club captain in goal and stuff like that there and I think that's just kind of like been like a backwards perspective on cup competitions that um, has been brought out by the club itself over time. 
mate, just just say that Spurs just just say that Spurs might be able to win the Premier League. I can't. <laughs> like sure, surely, like surely, if we go and like think of how we started this season, right? We start next season really, really well, and City have their off year, and Liverpool have an off year and Arsenal have an off year and Chelsea continue to be shite and Man United continue to be shite and Newcastle don't kick on, then surely <laughs> Spurs can win the Premier League under... Wait, my whole uh, argument against it is just like, look how many things he had to say in order to like <laughs> think about the possibility of Spurs won the league. It was like... Spurs have their year, but then City do this, Chelsea do this, Liverpool do this, Newcastle do this, United do this, Liverpool do this, Arsenal do this. Like it's like there's just so many variables. That's what I'm saying above why I just don't see it happening is because there's just too many things to go in one club's favor for it to happen. Um, if I'll give you one uh, wee thing to grasp on, what I would say about it is oh, that's what she said. <laughs> Uh fuck's sake. <laughs> hey, I, I'm not above base toilet humor on this podcast. <laughs> so I'll give you one I'll give you one thing. Um the reason why like like Arsenal and Liverpool, what they've done well in theory is like gone out and signed the right players and not spent like a ridiculous amount. They haven't spent like a billion on their squad, but they went out and signed the right player at the right time and stuff. And that's kind of taken over the top, but Arsenal are coming close. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I'm not I can't let you get away with that one. Like they have spent about six hundred million. Okay. Okay. Sorry. A Declan um, Rice cost about what 120 mil or something. He did. He did the big yeah. turncoat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why, why did Ireland not get that money for him? Fuck's sake! We could have built a couple of bridges or something. <laughs> Fucking useless. Um, but anyways, aside from that, um, I think that, like one thing that's underestimated about like Liverpool in particular is the fact that they've fucking lucked out. They had the jackpot with the youth academy a few times, like bringing in Trent, like that sort of player, like is a one in a million. So he is, and to be able to bring him through the youth academy when if he was at an R club, you'd be fucking probably worth one hundred and fifty million. The same thing with Saka, like how lucky Arsenal were. They have this kid come through their academy and be one of the best players in the league. And I know he's had it with Kane, but you don't have it anymore. And it's right. a case of, um, sorry, um, he's, maybe he's don't fucking want them anymore. He's useless to again. Um, but he, it's one of those things where you kind of do have to, that's another thing that kind of has to go in your favor. Your youth academy and stuff has to develop these really, really top class players. And I know there's a few players that have been, talked about coming through Spurs over the last few years. Um, Troy Parth being one that hurt me the most, I imagine, um, because he's not very good. But he's he killing it in Holland, to be fair to him. So, you know. I know, but fuck, he plays for Excelsior. Like, Jesus. It's not it's not saying too much. They're probably um, still above Ajax this season. So. They probably are. They yeah. probably are. Um, but yeah, just hitting that jackpot, the Youth Academy, and then signing some players around it is what's kind of needed. But yeah, what do you call that wee kid, that wee midfielder guy? We've got a few. There's, there's Alfie Devine, who that's the one I'm thinking of. He's 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 at Plymouth, which, from what I understand, he's doing okay at Plymouth. He he was, I think, he was doing really well. Uh, he, he was playing in League One, and we 
where was he? Port Vale, maybe? I can't. No, it wasn't. Where was he at? I can't remember. I can't remember exactly where he was at in, in League One, but we recalled him from that level and then we wanted to put him up a level. So he's in the championship now with Plymouth. And I think he's doing okay. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. since he's taken that step up. Um, and he is only 18, 19 still. So he, he, he's still a kid. But there's there's another, like, there's a few. There's a few players in, a, in and about sort of Tottenham's um, teams. One, Another one called Mikey Moore, who... He's about 17, 18, but he's absolutely killing it at youth level at the moment. And he's got quite a big build and everything like that. He's he's sort of been highly tipped, highly, highly tipped. Spurs managed to get him ahead of, you know, most other big clubs around the world. And we've had to keep him and his family sweet from what I understand, keep giving him new contracts and more assurances that he's going to get He's got a pathway to the first team. So I think he he's somebody that's very, very exciting. Um, there's a few other, like um, Jamie Donnelly, who at the moment is getting a few minutes here and there in the first team. He's had a few Premier League minutes, um, who I understand is very, very good at youth level, but you know, remains to be seen how much of a uh, how much of a shot he'll get at first team. But it's, it's just so brutal, isn't it? It's so brutal at this level. A player really, really needs to be not only truly exceptional, but have things fall their way. I mean, Harry Kane might not have happened had Soldado, who we just spent loads of money on, not just been a disaster, mm-hmm. and had Adebayor not gotten a fairly lengthy injury that allowed Kane to have that opportunity in the first team and a bit of a prolonged run in the team. I know Sherwood had worked with the youth team and knew what Kane was capable of at that level, but... He wouldn't have been starting him ahead of Adebayor or Soldado, really. Um, and I don't think the club would have a, a allowed him to do that. So it's, it's just, it's very different. I think this is kind of, this is where Spurs tend to find themselves now because maybe we're sort of more in a pack with Newcastle now, just given sort of Newcastle spending power and the infrastructure that they're putting into place in the wake of sort of Mike Ashley's tenureship there. But Spurs still kind of fall into their own little space in the league still where we're a little bit behind sort of Arsenal, quite far behind Liverpool, um, very far behind City, Manchester United sort of in their own little orbit in there, kind of, we often tend to finish above them nowadays, but they still have enough of a pull. They still have enough money there, even despite what everyone says about the Glazers um, to do quite well. But Spurs still are big enough, really. We've tasted Champions League football enough. Expectation, probably, not only from the supporters, but from things like sponsors, right, is probably firm enough on Tottenham nowadays that there maybe isn't that room as a club anymore to be like, hey, you know what, fuck it. Let's not let's not invest kind of 40, 50 million this summer on a new wide forward that we probably need and to, you know, as a successor to Son or whatever. And let's actually just, you know what, let's go into next season and give one of these Academy lads a season. Let's, let's, let's just give them a go. Let's give them a run at it because I don't, I, I'm not sure Spurs can sort of take a gamble like that anymore, which is, which is kind of a shame. And it's kind of crap that football's like that, but equally, 
I sort of, I, as I say that out loud, I, I kind of think, well, if a player's good enough, they're gonna they're gonna show that they are. Like Trent Alexander Arnold, for example, is is an example. I know not every single player is gonna be Trent Alexander Arnold, like you say. I, you know, I, I don't think Liverpool have had anybody like that come up through their academy since what Steven Gerrard, probably. You know, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, before then, somebody like Robbie Fowler, I guess Michael Owen, I guess as well as another example. Um, if they do actually tend to get quite a few decent players come through, yeah, when you do. really think about yeah. it, don't they? Like, um, Stephen Gerrard was a bit overhyped. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, very good player. Why well, isn't you a Frank Lampard fan? I always knew it. I, I, I think Frank Lampard was the better player. I do, I, to, to be honest. If I had to choose one of them, I, I would take Lampard over Gerrard. I was brave, um, brave man, brave man, especially saying that on a Tottenham podcast. I, I know, say. I know. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, I, let's talk about it through an England lens, eh? I know how much you like doing that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do that. Noted England fan, Jack Gallagher. Look, I mean, ultimately, Spurs, yeah, I know. We've <laughs> Things have got to go very right. But in some ways, right, I think things have gone right for Spurs in so much as Destiny a Doggy as a young player we signed looks fucking ludicrous. Like, yeah, he looks yeah. really, really good. I think maybe way better than we were probably expecting he was going to be as well, in terms of how well he's taken to the Premier League. And he's been a bit exposed the past few games. I think there's, there's, uh, certain things have served as a reminder that, oh, actually, he is 20 years old and this is his first season in the Premier League. But that's natural. Like we, we're talking about Trent, that still happens to him from time to time. Maybe not so much for the past sort of couple of years, but there were still always times when Trent would kind of show his age, show his like lack of experience. And that's just what happens with any player, right? But Destiny of Doggy is is pretty unbelievable, you know? And another example, I think like Vicario, I think we kind of, I would say we lucked out, but I guess the club actually bought him as a data-led acquisition. And I think like you were saying at the start of the season, he is he's a tidy keeper and he has been brilliant. I'll ask you on him actually, mate, while we're on him. What are you buying? Are you buying this kind of he's too weak, he needs to toughen up, or do you think he is just getting fouled? Do people say that? Yeah, yeah. This is this is a whole thing now that he's apparently too weak. There's been a few examples in the past few weeks when City got away with it, I think, personally, in that FA Cup game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're right there. I think they did get away with one. And... From that point, there's there's kind of been a few other managers being like, ah, right? Because so much of the talking point after that was like, no, Vicario was too weak there. And I think in the coming weeks, people are going to start to target this. And lo and behold, they have done. A lot of people have put kind of players on Vicario. And they've just pretty much been openly fouling him. Um, and it seems to be that the Premier League have sort of said that they're doing this thing this year where, you know, goalkeepers have been too protected for too long. So... Mm-hmm. We need to, you know, be be tough with this and let let them kind of get a foul here and there, which is is kind of nonsense. Um, I don't know if you saw the. Did you see any of the the like, um, what's he called? Buona, was it Buona Notte? Good night, that lad that plays. Oh Brighton, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> pushing Vicario into the goal and all that kind yeah. of thing. Um, I don't know. It irritates me. I mean, if you if you've not kind of been on top of that, then I won't I won't push that one any further. No, but... what I would say about it is I think I think there's such a fucking expectation all the time about players being perfect and having no flaws all the time. Like you said about Trent, like Trent's an incredible footballer, but he has flaws, and you've seen some flaws in the Doggies game as well. And you just kind of have to what 
needs to be done when those flaws are found out is the manager needs to work out ways in which those flaws cannot be exposed in future. Like if people are putting players on Vicario, make sure that someone's in between uh, Vicario and the big bastard that's standing right beside him from the opposition. Like try and work out a way to not let that happen as a manager, because if it's something that's being um, targeted, it's kind of on the manager, not on the player, to sort that out. Like at the end of the day, if people are saying that Vicario needs to bulk up and stuff, what um, was kind of forgotten about then is maybe that agility you've seen from Vicario, maybe those reflex saves and all. He might not be able to do that as well because he's carrying too much mass because people are targeting them from corner kicks. And when you look at um, what an easier fix is, it's far easier to fix uh, the corner kick situation by, say, sticking Romero in front of Ficario and, and between him and the opposition player um, instead of trying to find a player who can fix and sort out the reflexes that might be lost by Ficario bulking up. So it's one of those ones where, like, look, he's went out and signed a player for, what, what was it, 15, 20 million or something like that there. He's he's going to have some flaws and you just kind of have to max those when you can and, and when they uh, rear their head. Like, every player has them. Like, there's players, like, fucking years ago, I'm not, when I'm saying this, I'm not comparing Vicario to Messi, but I'm just saying, like, one of Messi's flaws when he came through was that um, people thought, ah, fuck, he's no right foot. And, like, it didn't really matter, did it? And our one that people said about Messi is, um, he wasn't very strong and was too injury prone and stuff like that there and that got sorted as well and stuff so it's just it's one of those things I just I wouldn't it's not something I would worry about and for all the holes they pick in Spurs' current setup and current system and the performances and stuff one of the last ones that people should be picking at is the goalkeeper who's probably been the club's best player this season he's class isn't he oh, ah, he's so good he's amazing do you think he'll be here till he's number one in no time? I think he has to be because Donnarumma's gone off the rails. It's just fucking dreadful so he is all of a sudden. So I think he should be. I don't think he will be. And I think it'll cost at Lee and all the talk will be about that after the tournament. That's my wee prediction for you. Do you think Spurs are finishing the top four, mate? Right, as it stands right now? Because it's close, isn't it? Let's look at the table. Let me see. I get the wee table up here. We're fifth at the moment. I think Villa are just ahead of us. I think Villa are going to fall apart, to be honest. See, but people have been saying this all season and they still seem to keep clawing it back, you know? Yeah. I just think, mm, I think they might fall apart. I just, uh, it's just one of those non ones, one of those feelings that, I don't know. I just, I think they have a certain capacity. And I think when the going gets tough, when they play in a few more difficult games away from home and all, at the end of the season, that'll cost them. They kind of remind me of that Leicester team, Brent Rogers Leicester team, where mm. kind of always had that nagging feeling that they would fuck it, and I think they will eventually. But it might not matter as well because of this coefficient thing. Like if Liverpool go and win the Europa League and City go and win the Champions League, then Fuss will be good enough to get in the Champions League anyway. So uh, that's my kind of uh, getting out of answering that question is it might not matter. Fuss might be enough. I don't think it will be though. I can't. I, I can't see any of the English teams doing it this year. Really, I sort of feel like it's going to be another Madrid year, don't you? 
I don't know. I don't know. I think they've just had so many injuries that um, it's kind of hurt their squad depth a wee bit too much. I think. Well, I think. Well, let's talk about Bayern Munich now. Then, are you buying the uh, are you buying the Harry Kane curse? No, I think Tuchel's just, to be honest, a bit of a fraud in a lot of ways. Um, I've watched I them think... a few times this year because obviously because they signed Kane, I want to see how he gets on. Yeah, they are awful. Like for the, for the quality that they have in that team, they play such boring, uninspiring football. Like really bad. And that's it's all down to the manager. Like there's no other excuse for it. It's like you won the league last season, then you go out and spend what 150 million on probably the best the best defender in Italy and probably the best the the best striker in the Premier League over the, the past like five years and you're worse like that's ultimately completely down to the manager so I think the whole Kane being cursed things just it's just easy isn't it it's just an easy thing to say because it's just memeable and funny that Kane might be cursed and... I mean it's not like Spurs were winning a lot before he came along is it <laughs> no, exactly yeah and it's yeah. not like since he's left we've gone on to like win the lot either <laughs> I know I know it's just and it's the same thing with England as well it's not to say England were winning everything as well before he <laughs> came through too so no I think I think it's purely down the management issues and stuff like that and you'll probably have it this year where they'll win nothing and everyone will think it's hilarious that Kane doesn't win anything and then they'll go out and get a normal, relatively useful manager next season and they'll win everything again and like, that's just the way it's going to go. Uh, to be honest mate as well, I mean looking at the Bundesliga I, I know they're quite far behind at the moment but I still wouldn't be even surprised if they won that still, you know? Like... Yeah, you just never know, like it's still, there is the same thing I said about Villa, it's like there is still that nagging sense that well, Bayer Leverkusen, I don't think they've won a cup since like 93 and they've never won the Bundesliga. And they finished runners up like five or six times. And Bayern Munich are literally Bayern Munich. They've won it the last 11 years. And all, all history's telling you. Halfway point, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Like all history's telling you that Bayern will come back, but all Tuchel's doing is making sure it doesn't happen. So if they sack Tuchel like soon and bring in a new manager they might do it but um, it's it's gonna be a tricky one it's gonna be a tricky one i'll tell you, i'll ask you this because you've been watching um byron and watching hurricane probably very longingly um if he was available in the summer how quickly would you bite byron's arm off to get him back immediately 100 percent, 100 percent, get him back I, I i see some people say like oh he wouldn't be able to press in this system he would it's bollocks, man. Like just the amount of chances we create, stick him in the system. He apps the one game he played under Ange Postacoglu, <laughs> he scored four goals in. You know, oh, was that like a friendly? Was that testimonial or something like that at Spurs ground? Yeah, um, who were we playing? I can't remember who it was against. I don't know if it was testimonial, but I think it, uh, it was some game at Spurs ground. I remember. Uh, you know, I think him alongside Madison, all of it. I, I, I can't, I can't see it happening. I think they left on pretty bad terms from what I understand um there's a lot of uh bad blood actually between Spurs and Kane so to shatter any because I know Daniel Levy was on I think he was on Bloomberg TV the other day or something saying that 
Spurs would be capable of re-signing Harry Kane if we if we wanted to or something. I don't know. I've just all I've seen is a screenshot. I haven't seen anything of the of the interview at all. So it could be could be fake for all I know, and I'm just out here <laughs> spreading fake news. But you know, it's what's what 2024 is all about now, isn't it? AI and fake news. Um, but yeah, I, I take Kane back in a heartbeat, mate. But I can see it being more likely that. I, I just sort of got a weird feeling about him and this Bayern thing that would, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but would you be overly surprised at all? What with Ratcliffe coming in and all this type of thing that United just say, here you are Bayern, here's 80 mil for Harry Kane, we'll bring him back to the Premier League and him jumping at it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. It's not something I thought about until you actually said it there now, but it wouldn't surprise me because you see with all these new owners, you've seen it with Chelsea back in the day, you see it with everyone really. Every time a new owner comes in, they do want to make a name value splash. Same thing PSG and all that as well, actually. Um, and he's a good name value splash for them to make. Um, whether or not they go more down the route of, oh no, we're signing the best young players in the world um, remains to be seen. But I mean, he'd be a great stopgap for them to take him on the uh, next era, so he would. Um, I can't see him in a United shirt, but I think he probably will do two seasons. My my thinking is he probably do two seasons at Bayern, won everything in the second season, not this season, and maybe come back to Spurs then for like a wee last hurrah when his ankles are all mangled again and... <laughs> He's just coming off the bench for twenty minutes, scoring penalties. I mean, I'll take him back in two years, mate. He'll still be, he'll still banging loads of goals. Oh yeah, fact, yeah. He's a player that he never loses because his whole thing is striking a ball well. He just strikes a ball super, super well, and they never lose that. Are you, are you? While we're on strikes, mate, are you having Richarlison? I know he's been in a hot streak um, for Spurs, but do you think he's good? Do you think he's somebody that? Because there was some talk about. You know, money coming in from from Saudi for him, some interest from there. Um, maybe them giving us close to what we paid for him in the first place. If you were Spurs, would you be cashing in and sort of roll the dice again, or do you think he's shown enough to be sort of considered part of Spurs going forwards? It's it's a it's a really hard one, Liam, because. I'm not a big fan of him as a player. I think he is. I think he is on a hot streak at the minute. I think, and I think, like I said way back at the start of this podcast, it's the sort of players that Spurs can and do sign over the past few years as players that you'll get one of these streaks and then not score for maybe five games again. Um, so he kind of fits that sort of signing mold that Spurs have gone after and kind of had to go after and 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 had to gamble on. Um, it's a hard one because if you get a really, really good offer, I would my immediate thought would be sell them and go and sign someone else. But then also, like, who else is there out there? Like, who's available? And Ivan who can Tony go or out someone, and it? Sorry, who? Ivan Tony or someone like that, isn't it? Yeah, but he's, I don't know. Mm. Oh, fucking no, I've just seen Palace appointed Oliver Glasner as their manager. Yeah, yeah, he replaced Hodgson, so he did, yeah. yeah. He'll do well there. They have some good players. Yeah, they've got a really good squad. Yeah, that's some players that Spurs should actually be looking for, like oh, yeah. Alisi or someone like that. Would be oh, really nice in that Spurs team. Michael Alisi, he's sort of city bound, surely. Like he's 
unreal that lad, isn't he? Yeah, he, he, he does football for City a lot. Or Liverpool, but, or do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's the sort of thing that maybe Spurs should be yeah. trying to go for. But it's it, again, like you said, it's hard to sign those players when a Liverpool and a City and all are in for them. Um, and that's kind of the issue with the striker thing as well. Is like, who could Spurs go and sign to replace Richardson? Who would? Who's not being linked with another one of the massive? Premier League clubs that might go on and beat them to the punch to sign them. Like, there's not really that many. Like, you've seen, like, the fact that United had to go out and sign Hollyan for, like, 70, 80 million and had they spent that much for Hollyan, who was originally signed by looks of it to be, like, a deputy striker to the, like, kind of their main man striker up front, but then they couldn't bring anyone else in because of FFP and stuff. So, it's it's a really really hard one to in theory like yes you, if you're playing like football manager or fifa or whatever like you go out and you sell richardson for 80 million to some saudi team and then go out and sign someone class from europe to replace him but in practice in real life that's a really hard thing to do sort of so unless someone really big becomes available and you can guarantee that he, he'll come on the Spurs and score 15, 20 goals a season. It's kind of hard to go and sell a guy like Richardson's manager for me. Mm. Well, I think I've taken enough of your time talking about Spurs this week, no mate. Problem, so mate. let me just ask you, uh, I saw you you're, you've got another play coming out, haven't you? And you're, you know, I've got plenty of listeners in Ireland. You're looking for, looking for actors, aren't you? Are you still looking for actors? Yeah, so um, I have a play on. It's actually next Thursday, so it is. So um, I'm not actually running the play or the the casting or directing or anything. It's in our theatre company called Solantia Theatre. Um, who are running a night in the London Irish Centre in Camden next Thursday. So it's been casted and, and there's a director on board as far as I know now. So if these are about in Camden to next Thursday night, the 29th, pop down and see uh, two sections of a play that I've written, if you want. And if you don't want it, it's grand. What's it called? Uh, it's called Bonish. So it's a comedy about the morning of an Irish wedding. Give us any more, give us, give us any more than that. Uh, so the two sections, <laughs> so the two sections are being performed. One is about the best man waking up the morning of the wedding and he, him and one of his other mates got completely fried the night before the wedding and he wakes up the next day and he can't find the best man's speech because he ended up using the paper that the best man's speech was on as release. So he did. <laughs> smoking the night before so that's about them and trying to work out what the speech was supposed to be while being hang- hanging and then the other one is about the bride um she like has a whiteboard and she's going through the pros and cons about marion the fella she's supposed to be marion that day so but a crack but a crack nice one jack is a if you haven't gathered from this pod he's a very funny very funny man when he wants to be anyway um oh, thanks <laughs> And uh, it's good writers. It's, it's, yeah, Best Pints is, is doing well. And he won an award as well. Best Pints, one of his old plays. Yeah, yeah. We won a, a Ofcom for 2023. So I think an Ofcom is a 
we got the most Ofcom complaints for a play in London <laughs> in 2023. Um, so no, we didn't actually. We got um, it's for like uh, oh, because I laughed then and I was like, hang on, wait, is that is that is that serious? Is that because <laughs> you, you were sort of committing to the bit there? I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has left them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I uh, so it's it was for like a short run in london so it was for last year um an offy commendation it's called so it was nice to get so it was it's a nice thing and uh in terms of football writing where can people read your stuff have you got anything got any big feature pieces coming up or anything mate not really to be honest (laughs) um spurs are shite and this is why by jack gallagher yeah (laughs) That, I'll write that tomorrow for you. Um, no, nothing really. Just a lot of fucking, a lot of admin to be doing more than anything at the moment. Uh, but no big features. But if there is a big feature at some point, Jack, you'll be the first to know. Hey. There you go. There you go. All right, mate. Well, I'll speak to you about Tottenham at some other point in the near future. Nice one. Sounds good. Looking forward to calling you shit again. <laughs> <laughs>